Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Let's take a quick break. You know what's one of my favorite things to do post-dancing rehearsal? Not going to lie, it's putting on some sweatpants immediately and having a drink. You all know I love a glass of wine or two, but I also like to switch it up. So lately, Jason and I have been making a little cocktail at night using Rum Haven. Rum Haven believes Mother Nature did things right, so it's crafted using real coconut water and not using artificial preservatives or flavorings. It is so incredibly refreshing. I mentioned I like to add it to a cocktail, but it's also actually great over ice with a splash of club soda. It tastes like I'm on vacation, sitting on an island somewhere far, far away which is without a doubt a great feeling, especially during these crazy times. So make sure to follow at Rum Haven on Instagram because they post all types of these seasonal recipes. They do giveaways and tips. Plus, when you go to discover.rumhaven.com, you can find their latest blogs, quizzes, and any promotions they have going on. On one of their latest blog posts, they actually have some tips about planning your virtual watch party, which is pretty perfect since everyone's favorite reality show is back on Tuesdays. Be sure to have a little virtual drink with me, sip some rum haven, maybe even while you're listening to the pod. Let me know what you think. Celebrate more for less at HomeSense. More yummy, the best cookware by far. And three cheers for bar. More I love it gifts from chocolate to spa to ooh la la. HomeSense, cheer is here. Hey Collider fans, it's Josh Nepp from the Heroes Podcast. You can support this show by taking a quick five-minute online survey to help keep this show free to download with minimal advertisements. Your responses will help connect advertisers to our audience so you can hear about products and services that matter to you. The survey is short and completely anonymous. Just visit podcastone.com slash mysurvey and fill it out. It can be completed in under five minutes. Thanks for all your continued support of Collider and all of our great podcasts here on Podcast One. It's that little Chico Pitbull, Mr. 305, but it said Mr. Worldwide. You already know what it is. Listen to my new podcast from Negative to Positive. Subscribe today. Now, part of the things that we're doing over here at Negative to Positive is encouraging people to change their lives, change the things that are within their power. I want to thank our good friends at KFC for helping me bring this to you. Feed your whole crew with KFC. Let's go. I can get the KFC bucket of chicken, and you know, that's fire. Now, Bobo, you know that you can get that mac and cheese, that mashed potato, gravy, those biscuits. Now, that's that's trouble right there. That is fire right there. You know, on Negative to Positive, we're always talking about striving and achievement. And, and the Colonel Sanders story is, is a story that inspired me since I was 10 years old. Look how life comes full circle. Now I'm talking about Colonel Sanders and Kentucky Fried Chicken and how much I love it. <laughs> Listen to my new podcast from Negative to Positive. Check out the vodcast. Subscribe today. Apple Podcast. Podcast One. Spotify. There's an underdog story happening today in America. Small businesses are fighting to make a comeback, but in the moment they have the least, they're giving the most. They're rallying communities and neighborhoods, yet asking for little in return. Well, it's time we gave back. Small Unites is making it simple for everyone to take action and support the small businesses that unite us all. Find out how you can donate, shop, and share today at smallunites.org. What's up, sweaties? That's right. It's a crazy morning. We're trying to figure things out. Fabulous. Las Vegas. We're not even going to talk about that yet. We're going to talk about Jeff Johns, the DC streaming universe. We're going to talk about Kingsman's kick-ass. The Incredibles, too, and a whole bunch of other things. That's right. I'm going to keep this weird. 
What's up? <laughs> What's going on, everyone? DJ, DJ, Jeff Jones. We're joking about that stuff. What's up, Coy, Amy? What's going on? Uh, want to say what is going on? What I don't know. I just literally <laughs> walked into the office to ultimate chaos. Came back from Ohio. What's up, everybody from Columbus? Got to see a bunch of sweaties there. They didn't know about this. I didn't know about this. <laughs> What's going on with DC? I mean, this is. Look, you know, we're going to talk about DC anyway. We we're this was already this was our number one story. We're going to be like, look. What's going on with DC? <laughs> is there a course correction that's going to work for this company as far as like media wise, not just cinematically, but television wise? They're doing their streaming service, all the things that they're doing right that I feel is like, wow, they really are kind of trying to right the boat from like a very bizarre, wobbly situation that they're in. And then this news hits, <laughs> which is like both kind of weird, good, bad, strange, awesome sort of weirdness. Jeff Johns uh, has left the post. Well, he's stepping down as the CCO and DC president, and he's going to be focusing on writing and producing uh, for DC exclusively through his new shingle called Mad Ghost. There's more. He's also running a pop-up imprint. I think it's out, if, if the people reporting are correct, it's called The Killing Zone. So there's a couple of different little... <laughs> his first venture is going to be producing Green Lantern, Green Lantern Corps of the movie, He's writing and producing that, and hey, why not? Because he's written Green Lantern incredibly successfully well. Love to see his whole ring saga mm -hmm. come to life. You know, space cowboys and all that kind of madness. So th that's going to be his first job. This follows Diane Nelson also stepping down as co-president, VP, head of DC Entertainment. So both of those people are now gone. Jim Lee is now the new CCO. Thought he was going to be drawing comics, but now he's running a company, <laughs> make, making movies and stuff. But he's an incredibly smart, intelligent dude. I, I would love to, you know. It's like it doesn't boggle me. Like, well, how come he's a, well, Jeff Johns was in charge. And he's just yeah. also a producer, writer, hadn't made movies before. And now they're, you know, was in charge of all these other movies. You know, they're just, here, you help make movies. Now Jim Lee's like, here, you help make movies. And Jim Lee also, let's not forget, ran Wildstorm. Wild he's one of the founding members of Image. He's got a lot, you know, it's not just like he's a, he's just a comic artist. He's an incredible businessman. He's an entrepreneur. So I can see that swap kind of making sense. Let's get the let, let, mad ghost. Okay. Killing zone. What's going on, Amy? So, uh, this was, the, we were so. Amy like, made a chart. The, the yeah. articles were updating as we got ready for the show today. And I was sitting here trying to get all these damn dates together. I was just so trying to. Here's, can you Short show them your, your this is this my is crazy so, person notebook? No, it's super cute. It's like it's this like non it's non digital. This is real, folks. <laughs> she was Eddie Brock in the Venom yeah. trailer, just taking notes. She's like, and then what happened? And then and then what happened? You're a bad man. Scratch, 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 scratch. Yeah. So from from 2002 to 2010, Paul Levitz, DC legend, was the president and publisher of DC. Right. That in 2009, Diane Nelson came over from other parts of Warner Brothers. She right. had seen overseen. You you all remember us talking about this. She'd overseen the Harry Potter stuff. She came over. She was the president of DC Entertainment right. in 2009. Now, in 2010, three dudes got put at the head of the company creatively. Uh, the chief creative officer, Jeff Johns, and the co-publishers, Jim Lee and Dan DiDio. Uh, Dan DiDio had been there. Uh, he had become executive editor in 2002, so then he became co-publisher in 2010. Right. Now, n fast forward from 2010 to 2016, at which point uh, we find out in July that as of May... Jeff Johns had gone from just chief creative officer to officially president or co-president of DC Entertainment and had been given oversight over the film. You'll remember us talking about that that summer when that news broke. Right. Um, so the co-publishers were still the co-publishers. He was still the chief creative officer, but he was overseeing film stuff uh, with John Berg, uh, and they were reporting to Greg Silverman. 
so a year and a half passes between summer 2016 and January 2018, at which point we hear uh, that Walter Hamada is in to oversee films. J- uh, John Berg has gone to do a shingle and do other films, right. uh, and Jeff Johns is still at the company, uh, but it's unclear what like his official relationship with the movie stuff is. So now here we are. It's June 2018. Jim Lee is expanding his now long-held co-publisher role to chief creative officer. Um, it, it's a surprise to me because I, I don't know the man, but he already tried running his own company, and I, I would have assumed that he didn't like it, and that's why he sold it to DC, but maybe he was just like, I feel like doing this again. Right. Uh, so he is expanding that role. Jeff Johns is still part of DC, doing the thing we probably would all most like him to do, which yeah. is work on the Green Lantern movie. Right. Uh, I'm a little biased. He's the writer that made me love Green Lantern. Uh, and uh, Diane Nelson has, uh, has exited. So both of the presidents are gone. I guess now they have no president. Uh, Jim Lee is the chief creative officer. Dan DiDio is probably still publisher or co-publisher. And Walter Hamada is probably technically still running the movie side. Until tomorrow. Until, Until yeah. tomorrow. Breaking and, news. Uh, and my final comment is that, really? The Killing Zone? That... You're joking, right? (laughs) I have a lot of questions from the the business standpoint is how do they have no president if there were two presidents? They had co-presidents, and now they have no president. They have a chief creative officer in Jim Lee who's brilliant, which I love that aspect, and I love that Jeff Johns – like, Jeff Johns, I agree, is Green Lantern. Like, I am so excited for this, like, space lethal weapon because I've I've heard it described as, like, John Stewart, Hal Jordan, cosmic, like, Star Wars. I want space lethal weapon, and Jeff Johns can write the hell out of that, and if that's the case, all this is worth it, but – restructuring to this level where we just lost Diane, we just lost uh, like, how do you have a a business without a a figurehead? And they haven't put someone in that spot. They have Jim Lee as the creative side, but what's what is it like over there? Well, like, I how, mean, how is it going to shake it's out? It's probably a little bit of chaos. As you can see, sometimes things don't work well when you don't have a president. So it's like, I mean, you know, uh, <laughs> with, uh, you know, subtle, but, you know, um, <laughs> So, like, with Jim Lee taking over, I think, you know, that makes sense. With with Jeff Johns stepping down, all these things make sense. It's just sort of... It's jarring. It is a little jarring, but it's not as shocking as, like... I mean, when Diane Nelson was like, I'm taking a leave of absence Which for was, family yeah, issues. Or, yeah, those are... Yeah, but it was, like, literally, like, oh, that's kind of, like... Usually when you hear that and you read between the lines, you're like, it's just a, it's a soft way of saying they're stepping down. I mean, look, look at John Lasseter. Oh, he's going to take a leave for six months. He's never coming back. Most of us all knew he's never coming mm-hmm. back, and now he's never coming back. It's like it's a just, legal thing. I think it's yeah. just like we can't fire them until we have this. I, or, we okay, can't, like, or it's a soft way to let the I public believe, kind of forget about somebody. While I think you are right to draw comparisons between our expectations, we might want to clarify that these, as far as we know, those situations are different because Lasseter's leave of absence and Diane Nelson's yes. don't have the same yeah. association. Not as trying yeah, not trying to associate them in that in that way. And thank you so much for doing that breakdown. That was very well, was very informative me. with the whole Paul the Levitt, Stan Didio. And then, yeah, the dates are really, it's like a legal document of some sort, you know. So I felt like, and then what happened? Oh, and then a year and a half ago. This, so it is good, to, but it puts it into perspective because it also shows you the ramifications of, like, the Justice League and the failure of that film and, and what that actually, the shakeout of what that actually means is what you're seeing now, where it's like, look, they love working with Jeff Johns, but they're putting him into the capacity that he's probably the best at, which is like writing comic books and, and overseeing comic book 
properties turning those into films from the get. We forgot to mention, but uh, also in the article, uh, alongside, but I'm not sure whether there, there there were three sort of facts about his comic book plans that were in there. One was uh, that he's going to have this pop-up label, which sounds like a mini imprint called right. The Killing Zone, right. uh, that would focus on new or lesser-known or dormant heroes. Um, DC has a lot of imprints going on. It's fine. Uh, but there were also two announcements, one that he's going to write a new Shazam series to mm-hmm. come out in the fall, and one that he's going to pick back up on the Three Jokers thing, which a, a segment of fandom mm-hmm. has been really wondering whether he was going to follow up on since his DC Rebirth special. Right. Uh, so I, it's not clear from to me from that article whether those two projects are under the Killing Zone label or whether it's just here are three different things about his future plans. But, like, things, I guess, are in motion. Yeah, he can't stop, like, aping Alan Moore, it feels like. It's like, you're doing Watchmen, now you got to follow Killings Joke, Killings Zone. Leave Alan Moore alone. Make your own stuff. You're talented. I mean, I mean I I'm joking. Can I say I love him, but I hate this name? Yeah, I think the name is really stupid. And also, it's not necessary. It does. It echoes. It's like, you're kind of like, just like, you know, like a little baby behind Alan Moore. Like, look, look at me, Dad. Or so That's what it feels like. I know that's probably nothing at all what it is, but it just feels like, Come up with a better name. What I'm what I'm excited about is that MadGhostProductionsAlreadyExists.com. Like it's already live. It's, it's already a website. He yeah he tweeted out a link as all this was going on to this website. And Wonder Woman eighty four is on there. Green Lantern's on there. I think that with Justice League it, it was a lot of cooks in a kitchen and like you know the Chris Terrio writing and then his notes and then Scott right. Snyder. I mean Zack Snyder. Scott Snyder's in the other office. Uh, but like all of these notes coming in, I'm excited to see the foundation of Green Lantern have one voice, yeah. a voice that knows comics, a voice that knows Green Lantern. I if all of this gets us a really, really good Green Lantern movie, and then by way of that, get us a new start on like the DC extended universe. Then this is a great move. Like this has me really optimistic. This has me very hopeful for what Jeff Johns can do when he's not signing a lot of checks. I want the man to be creative because he's a brilliant mind for comics. So if this gets him there, that's great. But I get yeah. that. That I get moving him away from DC president if he wasn't wanting to do that. But chief creative officer of DC—that's yeah, that's the job he wanted his whole life. Yeah. And he had it. And now he doesn't. I mean, I, I'm, but I, I think it's sort of like when sometimes you get what your heart's desire is, you realize that's not what I want. It's mm. like, and I feel like, I mean, this, to me, all of these things are good. Like, Jeff Johns is an incredible writer, and he's a, he's a brilliant mind. He is one of those guys who is responsible for so many things over at DC and making us like those characters yeah. again. I didn't like that character. Now I like that character again. Why? That guy. What he did with those characters. So I feel like him being in charge of the film, and now that he's had a lot of film experience, both positive and a lot of negative, mm. like I think he's going to be able to take that and also use things that he's already done decades ago yeah, and be able to take that and bring it to a brand new audience, i.e. the movie audience. So I think that's the smart And let him just concentrate only on that. And then, oh, besides working on that movie, here's a few comics to write. That's it. And don't uh, don't be producing all this other stuff and worrying about all these other issues and problems. It will ultimately cause all of his other efforts to fail mm. or to at least be half of what they should be. So I would like to see, like, when you, when you spread yourself thin, say you have, like, eight projects, that's way too many. Believe me, I know. I've had more than eight projects spread way too thin. That's why I've lost all this weight. Um, <laughs> you got to just concentrate on two or three things. That's the max that you can do and, and still maintain and, and quality level. So that's, I, would, I would hope that that's what he's doing. And it is. I'm very, very excited for his work on Green Lantern Corps. I had kind of forgotten if they had announced that, that he was writing on Wonder Woman, which does sort of surprise me because I would have wanted Alan Heinberg back because I really enjoyed his work right. on the first one. Um, but, like, 
obviously I trust the other creative voices in that kitchen. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm, I'm going to hope that that all works out as well. And I absolutely love the fact that Jeff Johns is like a cheerleader for Wonder Woman. He tweets mm -hmm. it out. He, it's, you pointed yeah. out it's his current banner. It's, uh, yeah, it's his <laughs> banner and like everything below it and his tagged post and his banner. He's like, this is what's happening. And I love that. And so if he's, especially if he's collaborating with other folks on that, uh, like I'm, I'm glad that he's excited about that. Well, let's stay excited about it. I mean, he's also, like, he's going to probably be a cheerleader for Shazam. Mm -hmm. Like, obviously, we have a movie coming out next year. And if you're in the comic, he's reinvested. And to yes. me, with him as chief creative officer, it was like he was a college professor, and he was having to grade everyone else's papers, and he was having to rewrite mm -hmm. stuff. Taking that away, now he can write his own thesis. He could be a writer in the woods on his own typewriter, and but then we can get Green Lantern. Haven't yeah. we been assuming that, uh, I mean, it has seemed to us, the outside observers, that a lot of the very exciting DC streaming service stuff had been, been related to the stuff he cared about and yes. wanted to make and, happen. In fact, Doom Patrol, which he shepherded into Titans, then yeah. gets expanded into its own series. Mainly, I would, my guess is because of him. So, I mean, not knowing any of the behind-the-scenes stuff, it feels like, oh, it's like we know that he was, like, responsible for making that episode happen mm -hmm. as a soft pilot. It, it, I guess, blew everyone out of the water. So, now we're getting that. Let's talk about, let's talk about the streaming service as well as the upcoming Hall H DC takeover. I mean, now you can only view it as that because that's what it has to be. It literally, they are up against a wall. I feel if they don't come out with guns blazing, like Marvel basically was like, here's a pass. We're not going to be there. Literally, they gave every single company that's going to be at Hall H a giant door. They're like, check out this massive door that we're not. Well, the Hulk went through it, and now we're not. This is, it's a massive opening for you. So whoever wants to take that up, is going to win big. And when I say win big, it's just going to, they're going to get that kind of coverage that would normally be spotlighted over to Marvel and all of their big, oh my God, did you see Thanos throwing a moon? Ah, like, you know, I want to see it. That's not there. Yeah. Who's going to take that? Well, it's up to DC to take that. They can, tr they can premiere the Aquaman trailer. They can premiere the Shazam trailer. They can premiere a Wonder Woman teaser. They could show clips from Titans, Swamp Thing, Doom Patrol, Young Justice. They could show all these things. They could have the most massive, like, you've been laughing at DC and cracking on it for, like, the last year, the last two years, the last three years, the last four years. That's That time is over. They could course correct not just the thought process of people that, when I do panels live, unfortunately, the DC Cinematic Universe has had a bad effect on everything to relating to DC. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, I have to say that. It's like, there's a lot of people who are just sour on it because... Because it's like, oh, it's not It's not just about, it's not the popular kid anymore. It's just the perception mm. of DC characters is not in any way, shape, or form the same as Marvel characters. And that's outside of the comic book sweaties like us. That's the normal people walking around milling about who are like, I feel about th like this way about Batman. Or I feel like this way about Spider-Man. I feel like this way about Superman versus, you know, the mm -hmm. X-Men versus the Avengers. I mean... The, the perception of DC is that it all of their characters are are failing and that it's not a good it's not a good universe they don't do the, they don't do things like Marvel so it's not, now they're constantly compared to Marvel on everything so I feel like to break that mold I think is really important because it isn't they aren't Marvel and they should they're they shouldn't be compared to Marvel they're their own company have they had some massive missteps especially cinematically yes. It's obvious. We're not going to go into that. What I want to go into is the future and what can they do to fix that. And I think this news with Jeff Johns is very good. I think it's a very good good move forward for everyone, including Jeff Johns, 
frees him up to do what he does best, and that's to create stories with these incredibly iconic characters and to take one that he's held near and dear, Green Lantern, and see that through. Mm-hmm. Like writing and producing, be on board, get that director who's going to see that vision through and do something really amazing with all those characters. I mean, we have that chance with all of these shows. Like, I don't know if they've started shooting Swamp Thing. I know they're casting it right now. But my guess is in the next two months, there'll either be production art or some set stuff that they could show. I feel if they put together a giant presentation and don't announce eight more movies that you're not going to make. I mean, that's a, <laughs> like, you know, come on. I mean, it's like literally if you go to Hall H last year and look at all the movies that they listed, it's a joke. Yeah. Because guess what they did the two years before? They listed another, like, nine movies that didn't happen. So that well, all has to end. It's not fair to the, like, I want the people who are currently attached to projects over there deserve to get the excitement, like, of their, you know, Steven Spielberg and Kathy Yan and Ava DuVernay are all attached to projects that are theoretically happening yes. with two new writers for Suicide Squad. Those people deserve to get to do their best work in an atmosphere where we're not like, well, we don't know if it's really happening. I agree. It's a horrible atmosphere to step into creatively. Because you're like, here, I'm stepping into this weird miasma of, like, titles and weird, like, mm-hmm. we don't know what's happening. This person fired. This person replaced. This person left. This person is like, there's all these titles with floating names that have been floating around now embarrassingly for over five, six years now where you're like, come on, man. Like, you know, we're not going to get into, like, I want my Man of Steel 2 or where's the Batman. Those are just obvious. <laughs> I mean, it's not even like, I don't even need to say it. We all know that, that those are the things where you're like, you started this universe. You, you have a Wonder Woman 2 good moving forward Mm -hmm. what's going on with the other thing so we're all expecting to see matt reeves up on that stage we are all expecting that so we already kind of know if hall h is happening and dc is happening the things that we could literally if you had a little check mark thing be like aquaman check Mm -hmm. shazam check wonder woman check batman check those four things have to happen yeah they have to there has to be an announcement of the Batman coming out. When is it coming out? That has to actually happen at Hall H, or I, I would consider that a massive, massive mistake. And I, I feel like Man of Steel 2 is like a four and a half. I feel like if that, that, that's a good time, too. If they're yes. in any way ready, that would be the opportunity. I feel like what this Comic-Con can be for DC is like that beautiful slate we got for Marvel's Phase 3, but yes. by way of everything, not just movies. Like, that was their movie, like Marvel's case. Yep. This could be their TV. This could be their... I think they should bring it all together. I think yeah. they should announce, like, give us some Doom Patrol. Give us some Titans. Give us some Swamp Thing visuals, like Previs. Give us some some trailers, all in this one mega panel that just basically goes like, hey, guys, this is the future. Stop talking about the past. This is where we can go. This is our universe. Like, this week's pull list was, like, tw- I read 27 comics this week. The first three I read were Justice League, Man of Steel 2, and Batman 48. Yep. The first comics I read were all DC. Everyone thinks I'm just a Marvel guy, but, like, I'm loving DC comics right now. The first three I read, I want the Hall H presentation to, like, show the masses that. I yeah. want them to go, like, this is the other side. This is what it can be. Why can't you look at what we're doing? Stop focusing on BVS. Start looking at this. And they'll have silence from other studios. They can be the big, like, they can be the Hulk. They can just walk through and go, like, look at what we've done. Yep. And I want that to be their Hall H. They and deserve it. I think- Ooh, they should give us a, if we haven't seen it by then, uh, they should give uh, during their TV section do the glimpse of Batwoman. Yeah, um, put that if, out there. If they have it, if that's in the can already, I'd like to see that. I, what, the one thing I really want to see is names attached to logos. Mm-hmm. I don't want to just oh, we're doing a Batgirl movie. I don't care if they announce any of these things. I want to see who's writing it and who's directing it. Now they ha- they can actually do that with the Flash, mm-hmm. and they could do that with New Gods. They could do that with the Batman. 
I think you and know Blackhawk. Uh, yeah, and Blackhawk. If they wanted to bring Steven Spielberg, Birds out, of Prey has a director. Does it have writers yet? It does. Okay. Yeah. So Birds forgetting. of Prey is also something they could actually bring out. They could bring out Margot Robbie on stage for Birds mm-hmm. of Prey. Wouldn't it be amazing if Matt Reeves walked on stage? With Ben Affleck and Jared Leto, and you're sort of like, there's some kind of unity to this universe. It's just not, it's just not all crazy crackers, you know. It's just like, hey, this actually makes sense, you know. I, I mean, that would be fun. I mean, we've got new screenwriters, David Katz and Todd Stowick are doing Suicide Squad too. I mean, like, yeah, Todd Stowick, he's an actor. He's never written, as far as I know, he hasn't written anything before. But that doesn't matter. Maybe he came in with some kind of amazing pitch, and they're like, dude, you need to come on board creatively maybe that is how it worked i mean those, those are the kinds of when i read stuff like that i'm like that's exciting because that's how things should work it should be like based on like that's an incredible idea get in here and put that on the whiteboard let's start working on I that. look at a so, quiet place a quiet place made all the money because they trusted him to make a movie and he directed the hell out of it and yep. you're like oh the guy from the office no no a brilliant screenplay and a billion director made this movie so well, he had, he'd already made a, a smaller film sure but, sure, but you wouldn't yes. have expected that level so I'm, i think the it's a good who, the, not kid the dude, oscar-winning grown man who played Jonathan on Buffy, like, right. went on to be like, yes, I'm going to write every important HBO drama in history. Like, right. Half of Keegan and Peele made, oh, my God, get out. So, yeah, I right. think it's a good sign that if you're in the industry, you've got this thing and you love it, you're passionate about it. That's why I will defend Gambit and Channing Tatum till the end of days because, man, Cheese Hates loves that freaking movie. She <laughs> wants it so bad. Well, you did know you what? just say Cheese Hates? I did. There's many names for Channing Tatum. <laughs> That's one that I've never heard and kind of never want to hear. <laughs> it was meant to be Che Tates, didn't come out all the way. She Tates. <laughs> I, I like Che Tates better, just sounds completely weird. It sounds you know, like a snack food. You know what's weird? Mark Millar is weird. Mark Miller, sorry, I always say it wrong because of the way it's spelled, but it's Mark Miller. His cinematic world and the thousands of things that are coming out sequels, reboots, series. So we, we were hearing Kick Ass and Hit Girl are both getting sequels. And are they reboots? Or are they brand new versions? But. Matthew Vaughn is doing them? That's just weird. Vaughn is also set to make a series of Kingsman movies, saying he's going to shoot them back-to-back, as well as at the same time shooting a, a Statesman television series. That's uh, five movies. It's so crazy. <laughs> like, and and the, what does this even say about the Netflix series for Miller's World? You know, he's got Miller's World. I mean, to be blunt, the only movie I really care about right now for me is, is, uh, is Nemesis. I'd love so some I've been crying about for like five years now, maybe longer. I can't remember, or maybe shorter. Maybe time's all elastic now. But uh, yeah, Kingsman. I didn't like the second one, so to me, I felt like it's kind of to uh, to be blunt and honest. It was gross to me. I thought it was misogynist. It was ugly, and it was stupid. And and I loved the first Kingsman. I thought the first Kingsman was fantastic. It was like a young James Bond. All these amazing things. I can't wait to see what happens. And then they did the opposite of everything that, at least for me what I was hoping they would do. So for me, as a fan of the first film, to see the second film was very disappointing. In fact, I walked out. I didn't even see the last 20 minutes. That's how much I did not like it. So I kept putting off... I can't weigh in on these particular sequels because I, I never actually made it to Kingsman 2. Well, um, I kept can't wait for off. you to see it, Amy. I, uh. It might have been because I was hearing a lot about how excited I was going to be when I saw it. I like, I like Matthew Vaughn a lot. Um, and I love with the. I, I'm I'm interested in what he said about taking cues from what they're doing in the comics right now. If you are following the comics right now, a new person is behind the Kickass mask. Um, yes. So a lot of people are speculating. Okay, so if they make a new Kickass movie, will it be her? Uh, which is an interesting direction. But yeah, there's a hit or miss quality to them that uh, I have noticed, even inside the same film. Like for me, I was like, 85% of King- Kingsman I loved, and the other 15% I was like, this is 
an interesting choice. Right. Can't um, wait for you to see Kingsman too. <laughs> um, look, I love the first Kick Ass. I yeah, absolutely I love that did. film. I'm, I still, I still love it. I think Big Daddy is a great Adam West Batman <laughs> Punisher thing. Um, I want to see a Hit Girl movie, and I want to see this new version of Kick Ass. Like I thought, Kick Ass Two was okay. I didn't hate it. Just wasn't as good as the first one. Yeah. Now, if Matthew Vaughn is indeed returning to do and direct Kick-Ass, the remake or the reboot or whatever it's going to be with the new Kick-Ass, and I've been following and reading that comic book, I like it. I mean, I haven't read the Hit Girl comic, but I think, you know, a new Hit Girl would also work. I think as long as they keep the, 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 the core of what they did in the first film and kind of take that essence and move that forward, then it'll work. With me, I'm kind of out with the Kingsman. I'll, I mean, I'll see whatever the third movie is. I'll 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 check it out, but I'm I'm so not into it right now, especially if they're moving forward with the same way they did with the second film. Mm. I thought the setup of the Statesman was just you know it was just very mad to me. What do you think? I uh, I really I really love the first of each of these franchises. I love Kick Ass One. I love Kingsman One. I really love Matt Vaughn's vision. I love the way he directs in this like Guy Ritchie frenetic action style that right. really suits comic movies. So the idea of him doing five movies on paper is yeah, but five movies at once isn't like <laughs> I, I would love to see a full slate like this universe of Matt Vaughn and like this this Millar world coming together. I, I, that's beautiful. But like James Cameron's making five Avatar movies like at oh. once. Like why is why is any of this happening like make a movie like do a thing be proud of it release it have it come out like i just worry that when you're trying to do too much at once it will feel as scattered as as kick-ass 2 kind of right. felt. kick-ass 2 felt to me like they were trying to relive the glory days of the first one and the first one was only like four years earlier mm. so right. it's a weird thing to kind of like be chasing the dragon of something that just happened so i don't want to to have kingsman lose the magic of the first one because the first one i think was my favorite movie to come out the year one of my top five that year the first kingsman right. was so important it was really I, I want yeah, yeah i want that energy and if if they make five of them, how are they going to possibly maintain that? So I want them to focus. I want them to slow down. I think Millar World has a lot of potential for the like creative-owned Netflix. Like it's, it's huge for comicdom, so focus. And just for, for clarity, as we've discussed on this show before, the Kingsman, the Matthew Vaughn side of this is separate from the, the Netflix Millar side, side yeah. of this yes. because the rights are all tied up. But it is clear that like there's tons of energy in both areas of that, um, and that will come up on the pull list today. Yes, it will. Well, let's get into minor mutations. Right off the bat, um, there's a bunch of fun stories to talk about. The one that you know we talked a little bit about last week was the Avengers 4 concept art leaks. Now we're hearing about a time jump, and we had heard about that a while back. We've, we're all talking and conjecturing what the you know we're seeing these behind the scenes pictures of scenes that already happened from the first Avengers. Scenes that have happened with Captain America, with Thor, um, <clears throat> but yet Ant-Man is there. You're like, that, that can't be possible. So how is that even, what the hell's going on? <laughs> Unless there's some kind of time travel. But we don't know about that. But there is a time jump. So from the snap, and Thanos just hanging out, that little shit-eating grin on his face or whatever, the contentment or whatever you want to call it, <laughs> before they murdered us with credits. Um, so... Cut to Avengers, whatever the hell it's called, 4, Avengers 4, ever. You know, whatever it's going to be called, five years later. Like, we don't know what the amount of time that has passed, but usually most movies, except for The Last Jedi, start with like, hey, two years have passed. Last Jedi started with, I'm handing you this baton, and then I'm still handing you this baton. <laughs> so literally it was like, no, time has passed. So the story development does not is not allowed. It's, you know, it's a, it's a risk to take. Um, I like Last Jedi, I'm just saying. It's like most sure. mo most movies start with like mm -hmm. Avengers Age of Ultron. The Avengers are on a mission, jumping in slow motion with, oh, cool. You know, everyone, they're doing stuff. They've been the Avengers. They've had adventures. 
How many adventures do you have when a lot of dusting happens? I don't know what people crying, people getting buried, moving on with your life. Five years later, how many years do you think will have elapsed, Amy? Oof, I think we will see both, like, I, I mean... I think we will end up seeing some of the immediate aftermath, but I don't know if it, if I was expecting this action to take place months later or, like... Because if it's years later, then they have spent all that time failing to fix or put it back, and everyone is permanently scarred by this experience unless we reset the timeline. Uh, and maybe that is what happens, uh, but, like, the, the time jump, I would have expected more to be that we will see glimpses of different times uh, rather than... Uh, just a like, and this is the normal that they lived with for 10 more years. And once Hawkeye sends his kids to college, he gets around to fixing it. Like, uh, it, so, so yeah, my, I would expect a small time jump. I'm thinking between like six months and two years. Uh, I do worry about the trauma of, of experiencing like the dusting is if they reset the timeline and people don't remember it happens, then it's a cop out and it doesn't feel earned. But if they lived like this for two years, that means all of these heroes have been like surviving post fallout. Like the, the ramifications of seeing half of the worlds or worlds destroyed would affect you on such a psychological level. And like living in a world with half the people, like what does that do to a brain? That's the premise of the Brian Vaughn series. Why the last man, which I recommend you go read. If you want a good sense of how much things just go to chaos, if billions of people are gone. So imagine the Avengers, like, half the Avengers trying to survive that world trying to rebuild and it also it's interesting because we had thought this was a part one and part two like for a long time Avengers was billed as three and four as a part one and part two so if there's a time jump at all that completely separates all of our expectations for this last film like I love that we really haven't known what was happening like we didn't know what Avengers 3 was until the credits rolled and like Avengers 4 seems like it's even more of a a secret dabbing tears like I didn't know it was going to be like this oh it was brutal I knew it was big but this was too big yeah pretty crazy so four is even bigger for that like expectation we don't know what it is and that's that's amazing. I highly doubt it'll be five years because when you when you're talking about people and especially motivated people, heroes, so to speak, they're not going to wait five years. Yeah. yeah. So this is like something you have to act on, and you have to act on fast, and you have to. There has to be a plan. Now, Tony Stark is off on another planet. He's got to get home. He's hanging out with Nebula, so things have to happen. You know, in a ship or something. Something has to happen. So. I can imagine a two- or three-month jump, and I can imagine that that jump would be uh, us with the opening credits, something happening. Mm-hmm. Like, the plan is in effect, and we're part of that plan. We don't need to see them formulate a plan. Right. We need to see the plan happening. So I feel like with that, that's what I feel. We're going to see a little jump in time, but it's not going to be like five years later, people are like, no, eh, it kind of sucks. Everybody, half of everybody. <laughs> yeah, what is, what's for breakfast? That's not, that's not, that's not going to happen. Yeah. So I feel like... Uh, oh, sorry, I, I got excited. They, no, they also did show us a certain character in concept art there, and and I just like my official uh, comment on that is that is very interesting, but I'm running smack into my I don't want to know for Adventures Four. Are oh, you talking about Hulk? Uh, no, they they showed us uh, White Vision, mm-hmm. Drained Vision. Oh, did they? Did I, I, am I, I didn't even did notice I imagine it. That. No, I saw it. I saw it. <laughs> yeah, really? I visions in of complete, things to come. Yeah. Like all, uh, all wow, that's the one I, in, the, in that picture? <laughs> I can't believe I didn't even oh, it's notice it. not that. in the one picture. It's in other previews. There, there was a whole graphics package. Can we get that uh, back? Is that a... Oh, throw that vision back. Spoilers. Is that up there? Maybe. Do you, do we, we don't have know. It? I hadn't seen it before. I haven't seen it either. Someone tweeted it at us. Wow. Isn't that beautiful? Whoa, that is so cool. Yeah. Also, there's her nemesis suit. Yeah, right? So, That's, uh, hey, you know what? That's, that was my face. You saw it live. I was like, 
That's cool. It's amazing. And guess what? We were all kind of thinking that when he's like, and then this husky body was thrown. He's like, how come he's all charcoaly white? Like the vision. He's like, hey. yeah. So we were all kind of hoping. And I was like, that's not just a hint. That was like a very non-subtle clue. Thank you. Uh, Marcus McFeely, Russo, Feige, all the people over there at Marvel for giving us that. You know, I don't care that that concept art got leaked. That's cool. I think. <laughs> I think. So. Um, and I love, I love the big team spread. I just like that. That means we get the Hulk. That means we get all that. Hulk's in a suit. I gotta explain that. Right. Uh, there's so much going on in that image, but it also like. It gives you that hope again that the first one destroyed that Infinity War. Like how how broken you felt that one image is like oh heroes can rise. Right. Like I just I want to feel that again before they're all smashed again. It no. just broke me, yeah. man. That movie just even thinking about Infinity War, I still have that same like heaviness in my heart. I'm so excited for ten months. Well, from now. Coy, you know what's going to take some of the heaviness away? The Incredibles two. <gasps> That's right. The Incredibles is happening. It's coming out next week. Um, a lot of people have seen it, and a lot of people have said that... Some people have said it's better than the first movie, while others have just said it's as good as the first movie. I haven't read anywhere yet, and I'm not, like, combing through... I don't want to read anything too much about the movie, um, you know, because I'm going to see it. So uh, no one's... Uh, Incredibles 2 was garbage. No one's complained about it or outright said it's horrible. So that's really good news. I'm obviously very excited about this Fantastic Four film, which is like, you know, where everyone's like, well, we want to see the Fantastic Four done right, see The Incredibles. It's a little bit like that, but it's a little bit more than that. It's almost like the Fantastic Four meets all of the other, like the Justice League meets, like, you know, they've got Frozone, they've got all these other characters, mm-hmm. meets the Watchmen, they picked some of that. Hey, remember when they had the superhero act, you had to reveal yourselves, a little Civil War? There's like all these little elements of everything, even before Civil War happened, that's when The Incredibles happened. What do you think? Because it was based on Watchmen. So what do you think? I'm only days away, and I haven't seen it yet, and I'm very excited. But it is so nice to hear that people are not walking out disappointed. Uh, I, I've, I've had friends chime in already, be like, do you have your tickets? Make <laughs> sure you, have, you are going to want, like, right. it's, it's getting hard to wait, but I'm very excited. And really, it, it's weird to be like, I'm enjoying paid advertisements. But every time an Incredibles thing comes up, like the cute thing where he's reading a story to his baby and the baby wakes him up to keep going. I'm just like, I love you and all of your commercial enterprises. <laughs> I love you, Coy. I never thought this would happen. I thought this was the one Pixar movie. Like when they announced this, what, three, four years ago, I was like, right. oh, can it be? And like now that it's so close, it doesn't feel real because right. I waited. Like it's been 14 years, so for 10 years there was radio silence. And I was like, but the one that everyone loved. Like why can't you? No, Car 7, stay yeah. back. Like Incredibles. So it's so close. And the fact that people are saying it, it's better than the first or the worst you hear is as good as the like when the bar is a plus yeah how do you even like when the bar is like perfection right i'm so excited and i'm seeing it immediately thursday seven o'clock i can't like possibly wait any longer because this is that that perfect medley of pixar and our childhoods like it's it's so good yeah it is it is the infinity war hole yeah right there. i'm right there with you too i'm like i'm like it doesn't exist it can't it can't even this be can't. real yeah because I've, you've waited so long that even with trailers like some child made that on their computer <laughs> it's a dream we yeah. had all the all the reviewers are lying until, like, until yeah, the trailers so. are over and yeah. Incredibles 2 comes up, be like yeah. it is here yeah it does feel that way and i'm, I'm with you i'm gonna see it thursday uh we'll figure it out maybe we'll all see yeah, it together it maybe we should see the incredible so you know what's incredible iron fist 2 season 2 actually happened but guess what I hear that they are taking a, like a hint from a lot of people who saw it, and uh, they're they're doing a really uh, uh, they're new showrunners, new writers, new Iron Fist, and uh, Jeff Loeb was hinting at possibly even an Iron Fist outfit that's similar to the outfit from the comic books, which would be cool because it's not even really like it's not like a let me put on this strange spandex. It's an it's a karate outfit, you know. <laughs> so I mean, I feel like you know taekwondo, whatever you want to call it, judo outfit. It's it, it feels like 
it may it makes a little more sense if they're like you know i don't know why it would be green and yellow they have to come up with some whatever reasons whatever but uh he also jeff Loeb also said there's no defenders too what are your feelings about iron fist 2 and no defenders 2 Amy? Well, I, I'm excited to see what they do going forward. Uh, I am always a fan of characters putting on the outfits. I'm I, like, I know I, I'm, I'm glad that they can sort of Trojan horse everybody into getting on board with these things, but I'm always happy when the suits show up. Uh, and I, it is not surprising, a little sad to think that there won't be a Defenders 2 because they like these characters and the way they relate to each other was mm-hmm. a big part of what made us so excited when these show announcements happened. Yeah. But as it's turned out, the things that they do best are not necessarily the things that tie, like, are, are those those primary relationships between these characters have not turned out in the same way in the shows to be, like, their virtue. That came out way backwards. But the thing that made us excited about the announcements turns out to be a different thing than is working really well on the shows. And it makes sense to lean into what is working really well mm-hmm. on the shows because that's what you're doing now. Like, yes, I wanted Parman and Iron Fist, the friendship. That was the reason I was excited about those announcements. But if you can do a better job with them separately, do it separately and let them be guest stars occasionally in each other's business. Yeah, I agree. And I feel like I don't... I mean, especially after the first Defenders, it was kind of cool to see, like, I think it was episode three where they're, like, all fighting together and stuff. And that was it. Then I was like, I, we, there's no real reason to see them do anything again together. I don't need needle drop music with people fighting in a circle. We all wanted that cool vibe that. From, the, the, from the Bendis comics of when, like, Jessica Jones is being Matt Murdock's... Uh, like bodyguard while yes. Luke Cage is or yeah. vice versa like he's the bodyguard while she's working on a case and right. it's all working in their separate series but that's very difficult to do in live action television on a large scale and we so. saw it we saw it once it was called the defenders and I'd r- much rather see heroes for hire or any any one of those things that's what I think Iron Fist 2 gives us a good chance for both heroes for hire and daughters of the dragon <laughs> and I feel like those team ups are more important like daughters <laughs> of the dragon yeah. we've seen some yes. stuff Luke Cage there's that Luke Cage scene that came out with Misty and like I I I think Daughters of the Dragon is more important right now for the Netflix universe than another Defenders, and I think that having, like you said, those guest stars pop up and in is way more integral to what the Defenders world is built. Like, don't try to be the Avengers for the sake of trying to be the Avengers. Use what works, use what your medium is good for, and utilize the strengths in your actors being incredible at long form. I like the long form. A lot of people are like, ah, 13's too long. I love that we get to dive into these characters. Like, two episodes of The Punisher talking about PTSD and, like, two more talking about gun reform and two more talking about like and all of it never feeling like it was beating me over my head you can't get that with 10 episodes no. I like the 13 so if this means Defenders doesn't exist but we get 13 episodes of all these series and they get to be this good and if Iron Fist can learn from the five shows that are out there as well then I think we're in good shape and the suit is it's weird that the best suit to translate to the medium wasn't used like you said it's like it's a, it's a suit with the bandana and in Daredevil season one he wears the like it's right literally there. yeah like just let him do it so I think Iron Fist season two is going to learn from a lot of mistakes I'm glad it's a new showrunner and I think Finn Jones has had more than three days to train so yes. I'm excited for the no, poor for man. Sure. Like, Finn Jones definitely like, put his effort in. Your Iron Fist, learn karate. We're filming at noon. Like that poor guy. So like as much defense as I can give, I don't know the guy, but I'm excited he's had a year to learn something. Right. <laughs> Maybe Matt, Matt, Matt Murdock is like, here, this is what I did. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it just gives him like your billionaire face. Yeah, with this yellow rag. And we do. Like, we keep saying karate, and I can't remember what actual martial art Iron Fist yeah, practices, but it is a different one. We're sorry. <laughs> Some form of super judo. Um, we don't know, but Preacher Season 3 is coming at us very soon. More footage just got revealed and some amazing uh, little tidbits. 
Like, I'm a big Preacher fan. I've been waiting for the third super, you know, absolute. It's not out yet, right, Amy? Cause oh, I can't remember. I'll check. It's taking away all my all my monies. It's a very, <laughs> these things are very expensive. Um, must sell more comics. Um, anyway, so, yeah, like, Preacher is incredibly well done. I love your system of selling comics yeah, to buy must comics. Sell comics. It's just to like get a more. zero yeah. sum, like, yeah. must sell to get. Yeah, must, must maintain. Yeah, it's all about maintenance, son. So, you know, that's what I'm saying. Preacher 3, what are your thoughts? I'm very excited. Uh, I'm excited for more. This does also remind me that you should, if you missed any of the, the Preacher was a Vertigo comic, uh, and Vertigo is alive and well, and just had a slate of very exciting new announcements. What are, what are the seven that they're doing? Um, there are seven totally new books. Wow. Uh, one is Goddess Mode. Uh, it's Zoe Quinn and the artist from Spider-Gwen. Mm. Rodriguez, oh, cool. I think. Yeah. Um, one is Higher Level. And it's a sci-fi thing. I didn't prep this, so I haven't memorized okay. all seven. But they all look really interesting. Uh, and I'm, I'm excited for that. That's in addition to the four Sandman Universe titles that are coming. Right. Um, and the, so this, the seven new Vertigo books will be coming out over the course of this fall and then spring. Um, oh God, I feel like Brian Hill has one of the... Oh, Brian Hill is doing this, like, very scary-sounding, like, uh, law enforcement infiltrating the alt-right comic. It, it like... Uh, a, the, read these books. They they sound like fire, and I'm very distracting us from preacher right now. No, but that's no, the no. Thing. Vertigo. <laughs> no, read not, Vertigo. It's not a distraction at all. I was very I was very happy to hear. I was sad to hear that Young Animal is going away. That imprint, but then literally a week later they announced Vertigo. So I felt like, well, at least Gerard Way got to try out this imprint, and a lot of fun came from it. If you never saw the Doom Patrol that Gerard Way was doing. Get it? It's out in trade paperback. The first couple, yeah. I thought that was really great. Yeah. And a lot of the other titles were a lot of fun, and so now we're going to go with Vertigo with seven brand new titles of things that we've never heard of stories, like brand new stuff. So that's exciting to me. New worlds, new stories from the yeah. ground up. What like, do you think, Preacher? Uh, I think Preacher is one of those like underground shows that I feel like no one talks about. The ratings are good, so I'm just happy to find those corners of people talking about it. Right. Uh, and Joseph Gilgun, I, I've said on the show before, is I think one of the most underappreciated comic, comic adaptations, because Cassie is a hard character to make likable. Cassie's a hard character to get right, and they yeah. got it so right that I often feel like it's his show and Preacher's just on like the side. Like right. I'm always like, go back to those guys. So the, the ensemble's great. I love the way they tell this very dark story in a way that has levity. I think that uh, Evans and Goldberg, uh, I mean, Seth Rogen and, and Evan Goldberg have a great penchant for storytelling. Mm-hmm. Like they really tell stories that I don't think anyone else would touch, but they do it so well. So I'm excited to see season three because that's where I feel like Preacher gets really, really out there. So we've seen like the road trip. We've seen the origin. We've seen those things, but... Like, this is full God mode soon, so yeah. I'm really excited to see what that looks like on TV. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, Goldberg and Rogan are, are you know, some young sweaties who used to buy Preacher together. Yeah, as when the, You know, and the boys is something else that they're going to be making, or making right now, so I can't wait to see boys and then Preacher. Like, that would be a good double feature every week, just line oh, it up, man. so that'll be fun. Michelle Pfeiffer was revealed in a poster for Ant-Man and the Wasp recently. They had, like, four new posters. Now, is that her early Wasp suit underneath that po- Like, sure looks like it. Because I was, like, looking at that, and I was like, huh, that looks really weird. Like, did she just come out of, like, bu- whatever bizarro, like, super dim- quasi-dimension that she's been living in for, like, 20 years? Like, it's about time. Is there a house <laughs> out there? Is she just floating on a bug? What What has she been doing for 20 years? Is it going to be, like, Deadpool, where she's just, like, pretend watching TV? Like, where have you been? You know, it's like, you're just sitting in that chair for 20 years? Like... <laughs> Yeah, what do you think? I mean, what is going on with Michelle Pfeiffer? 
I'm so excited for it. Uh, the microverse of the quantum realm, or whatever we're calling it in movies. Right. Uh, there, there's weirdly there's precedent for Wasp getting stuck there for a long time. It happened at the end of I think Secret Invasion. Okay. Um, uh, but uh, she like. What's interesting is that what I would expect is that she lived a whole life there, but I don't think that fits into the mode of the movie, so it's probably going to be something more like you just got stuck uh, because you have so much story that you need to focus on that's in the present. You need a high story. You need all this. You need to develop the new characters, and unless they're chasing some threat that came out of that realm with her, you can't spend that much time on that backstory. Uh, so since we already know their threats are kind of in the present, it's ghosts, it's like that... Uh, I, I expect we will not get, like, the entire life she lived in the microverse. Right. But it would be fun. What do you think, Coy? I think the well, the new Ant-Man and Wasp book that came out this past Wednesday uh, is the Mark new Wade, Wasp. right? Yeah, and it's yeah. so good. It's so much fun. Because it's new Wasp, and I love her so much. She's, like, the stepdaughter and the, like, original Hank Pym's daughter. Like, she's incredible. Uh, and she's all about science, so she's a really smart character. So it's her teaming up with the Paul Rudd Wasp uh, in the comics. And it's fun because they're trapped in the microverse. So it gives us, like, a little hint at, like... Marvel does this great thing where right before the movies come out, they put out books that are, like, similar. Right. So I feel like with this book, if they get trapped in the microverse, the way they do it in this comic, which you should pick up by comics, uh, is very, like, fantasy and surreal and fighting things you'd never see in regular movies. And I want to see at least ten minutes of Michelle Pfeiffer in that quantum realm, in that microverse, like, fighting dust mites. Mm. Like, fighting, like, you know, like, the, or smaller, like, fighting quarks. Yeah. Like, and I think that the comic is setting up so that's an option. So, when I see this image, I see a woman that's seasoned, that's seen some stuff, that's, like, got battle regalia, and I think that They're the dressing comics, her like hope in the second coming storyline. Exactly. Yeah. And that, that's a woman who's seen stuff. Yeah. So, this, to me, is, you don't cast Michelle Pfeiffer for five minutes. Right. So, I want to see that done right, and I think that image, all I see in that image is a woman that survived the quantum realm so i want to see it i agree i i don't want to see her fighting dust mites <laughs> i also well, what are cool monster dust mites I, I, be the biggest dust dude, mites. bum me out like you like been, monsters you've been gone for 20 years fighting dust mites for 20 years i would bum me out you know and her <laughs> suit would be all messed up too you'd be like look how pristine this is I, I maybe there's some some happy middle ground that we can we can have michelle let us know we're gonna see the movie in like two months david f sandberg was talking about fixing the shazam suits uh, recently, he was saying, like, you know, there's like, <laughs> Roka, get with it, come on. Um, no, when, when he's saying fixing the suits, he's talking about like little wear and tear, like, hey, we realized the boots didn't hang on, stay up on their own, so we had to glue those. Or, or the bracelets didn't look as good as, as while we were shooting them, so we had to kind of redo them, and then we'll probably have to computer generate them, some of them later. I mean, I kind of read into what he was saying, but he's basically saying, like, as you move forward with shooting a movie, we've seen that happen so many times in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Like, a lot of people are unaware, but most of Black Panther's suit has been modified via CG. Mm -hmm. The live-action stuff that they shot with him with the suit, they just replaced later with a newer version of that suit. They're like, oh, we did some modifications, we changed this and that. And, you're, and to me, it's always boggling where the most amazing effects are the ones that are completely invisible. That you're like, oh, it's those people hanging out and they were never there. They're shooting in front of a green screen. None of that's real. So, I mean, what are you guys feeling about changing suits in Shazam? Is that just a normal thing or is it going to freak you out? Well, I don't think it's likely to freak me out. It's interesting to have someone come out and comment on it, uh, especially given how common it is. I'm excited by this moment in filmmaking history because uh, costume design is an art form and animation is an art form. And we, right now, are having folks who sort of need to, like, coordinate across those two. They they draw on the same principles, but their methods are different, and the things that are going to work or not work are different. Uh, And so I imagine there's going to be a learning curve for everybody. 
Uh, and I'm I, so I'm curious to know like what why why comment on it? What does that mean? But I have I have a feeling the end product like they're going to put out something they're happy with. So yeah, for sure. I mean, they were talking about like his S is like glowing and like you know I think it's actually on on set glowing. Like it's like that's there, but then we'll boost it up. And you test and you try things. Yeah. Like this worked. We liked the way it worked. We like this better. Let's do that. Light it that way. That's how filmmaking works. But not right? S the Shazam the lightning bolt. That's what I meant. But you know what I mean. I feel like this is like peak internet minutia. Uh, I feel like there's so much of the internet being like, I heard they had to change the suit. The suit yes. wasn't ready. And I was like, guys, watch the... You, did you like Civil War? Watch Civil War. The suit he's wearing in Civil War, Spider-Man is wearing the original Spider-Man suit. They completely changed Spider-Man's suit. Spider-Man's wearing an almost Ditko-esque, thick black line suit. That's not the suit you see in the movie. Things evolve. And also, if you're fighting and you realize your gloves and gauntlets don't work, you change them. You don't just keep fighting. Right. I just like... The amount of people that are just are waiting to get up shut up Shazam are just so frustrating because they're like, I didn't like how red and poofy his muscles were. So now right. they're like waiting for costume directors to interview they can find something to be mad at and like when i saw these quotes i I was just that this is filmmaking it evolves it changes let it and i don't want dc to have to defend themselves so much i feel like dc is always a knee-jerk away from being like we're sorry we'll never do it again costumes are it'll be perfect from day one like it's it's a movie i agree 100 (laughs) percent. i like that he addressed it sometimes like you feel like these these things are just trying to get ahead of the, I noticed the cufflinks were different. <laughs> <laughs> we did have to alter them because it, we yeah. shot for 110 days. Yeah, we changed the cufflinks. He got hey. mud on that one. You know what's easy to change when it's 3D? So The Incredibles 2, you can change cufflinks with the blink of an eye, but Brad Bird doesn't want to make any additional sequels or any sequels to any of his other films. He'd rather do brand new projects. And kudos to that. Hats off to every single filmmaker and creative artist who fights to make brand new things as opposed to take the thing that was made seven years ago and reboot it or the thing that was made ten years ago and put a new shine on it. It's lazy to me. Unfortunately, I feel like when you have a world of sequels and reboots, and I know we just talked about Matthew Vaughn, doing like 5,000 things with, you know, all of these reboots and sequels. I'm not talking about him. I mean, I want to see a new Kick-Ass. I think that's, it's about time that they're doing something new with Kick-Ass. But I feel like someone like Brad Bird should be respected. And yeah, he did Tomorrowland instead of taking on Star Wars. And Tomorrowland was a failure. I mean, it didn't work really as a movie and it didn't make money at the box office. So it was like one of the few things that he's done that wasn't a giant hit. Um, and, you know, look, it's a, did he take it on the nose? He did. He moved on. You keep making things. I mean, not everything you do is going to be a fantastic, like, man, I can't believe how great that is. Sometimes you're going to make some people like, eh, it was all right. Or some people, ah, I didn't like it. That's just life. And I feel like taking those chances are way more important than just, like, making the Iron Giant 2. Mm-hmm. Especially when there isn't, the movie was made to not have a sequel. It was yeah. made to be a one and done. And so many films and so many stories, so many books are written and made to be one and done. They're not made to be serialized. I want the further adventures of, no, you don't get that. Sorry, it's the beginning, middle, and end. Bye. That's how it is. That's how you learn from it. Guess what? We don't get a sequel. We die. (laughs) Want to bring it all dark and doomy for a minute. But within that context, Roka, within that context, I want to say... I respect what Brad Bird is saying. What do you feel about studios that all they want to do are reboots and sequels? And should they take more chances? And look, it's their money. They're like, look, we, we studios exist to make money. They're not about like, hey, have creativity, whatever. They don't care about that. They're, it's, a, it's a business opportunity. So I understand the fight between both of them. 
Obviously, companies like Bloomhouse are able to do that within the horror genre by lowering the budget. Lower the budget, you get more creativity, you get more freedom, because our risk financially isn't like, you know, that's why, I mean, look at it like Hellboy 3. Guillermo wanted to make Hellboy 3. He had the designs all ready to go, but it was $200 million, and those movies financially had proven to not make that money back. So the studio was like, dude, if you could crack that down to 75, we can make that movie. And he's like, I can't. Henceforth, brand new Hellboy, lower budget, new creative team. What are your thoughts about all this, Amy? Well, it's a tension we've talked about before that's inherent in filmmaking. Like, you need to make money, you need to keep going, but you also need to take chances on new stuff or everything will, like, wither and die. Uh, And it's... What I would hope is that, uh, like, there are broad trends in different directions. Sequels aren't a bad thing. I loved Brad Bird's Mission Impossible. Um, He did three... Four. No, four. Four, okay. Good, yeah. um, like, there's nothing wrong with playing in those universes, but I would hope that a filmmaker like that is someone people are willing to take a chance on, mm-hmm. um, who has proven such exceptional stories since. Like, it's sad to hear that he's having trouble finding traction for new stuff. Uh, so it's it's always going to be a tension, and I get that. Uh, I just, I, I'm always going to root for balance and, yeah, take a chance on people. It's so hard to do things yourself, but I always, I always say it's so much better to do things yourself. Because, like, the minute you start leaning on giant studios or anybody, really, to help you make something that you want to make, if you can't start the process and make it yourself, maybe, you know, the thing that you're making, it, you're not doing it right. Like, I feel like a lot of people are like, well, I want to do new things, but all I'm being offered are these sequels and remakes. Well, I mean, look, I mean, if you make something like a lot of filmmakers, they have giant, massive hits, and then they just move on to do another sequel or another remake. And it's because even though they want to do these other things, the studios are like, no, no, we already got these things lined up for you. And here's the budget for those, but we have nothing for this. So instead of going back to having going back to zero, they're like, well, at least I can make this other thing and make this other thing. And then that ends up being their entire career. So I feel like you have to, at some point, be willing to take those chances. And that's what Brad Bird is saying, is I want to take those chances. And by publicly saying it, he's letting other studios know, like, look, maybe a studio will come forth if I publicly say it and say, look, we've earmarked $25 million. Make whatever you want. So, I mean, it's better than just coming in and be like, can I make it for nothing? I mean, that's nobody wants to be set with that kind of thing, especially filmmaking is not just something like artists can draw whatever they want, and that's just time. Like, making a film is, like, coordination. I mean, outside of a costume design, special effects, set building. I mean, it's, like, a massive undertaking working with thousands of people to make a film or a TV show. So it's it, it requires money. It requires a time investment of thousands of people to make this thing. So I always understand why this disparate thing is there because it's a money-spending venture to make money on the thing. So, so the people who are spending that money on the thousands of people making something creatively, they want a return. They're not just like, hey, well, whatever, money's free. What do you think? For me, it's a, like the balance right now because I love this. I love the the serialized content. I love the sequels. I love the scope, these blockbusters. But I find myself liking like the Taylor Sheridan movies more and more. Like I love that Hell or High Water was uh, and it's done. I loved it, Sicario. I don't know how it's getting a sequel because it felt like it was done. I really like when I walk out of a theater going like, oh, that was original. It was different. It ended. And I get Brad Bird wanting to do that because that's what movies used to like. When you when you look back at your heyday of movies, a lot of the movies you remember as a kid are ones that left you feeling complete. Right. And I really like those films, and that's why I, I or or movies that were original and they like rehash on a feeling like Upgrade. I loved Upgrade. Felt like the '80s, but it was an IP. It was a new thing, and I want more movies like that. So if Brad Bird with his brilliance can find a studio that'll let him. That's more of what we need. That way we don't feel like everything's got a seven after it. I, don't, I like, right. as much as I love 
love the Fast franchise. I don't want my action movies to only be in that. Like, as much as I love superhero movies, I don't want them to only be in that. Like, Kick-Ass was so novel. Kingsman was so novel. Maybe not seven of them. Right. So, I get what he's saying. I want more. Well, we're going to get more of everything, I think. But, you know, I'd like to see more original content. I'm, bl- I'm glad you brought up Upgrade. Hopefully, everyone has gone out and seen it. And if you haven't, get thee to a theater immediately. It's amazing. Um, let's talk about a Marvel fan. He saw Infinity War way more times. <laughs> I saw it five times. This dude, this guy saw it 43 times in the theater, man. <laughs> so, I, I think don't know he's up to 46. He's 46. I don't know what his he's name is. Up. Let's just call him the ultimate sweaty um, <laughs> for Avengers. Uh, so, Marvel, you know, I don't know if Feige was like, who is this weirdo? And why is he showed up in the theater and sat next to him eating popcorn? <laughs> What's up, dude? Here's a golden ticket. So this this guy is going to go see Avengers 4 at the premiere, which I think is great. And that. then he's going to see it 900 more times or whatever. It's like, <laughs> I don't know how many times he's going to be at Infinity War. Maybe he'll just run it right up to the premiere, but like, I just finished getting out of the thing. <laughs> Butt it up. Yeah. Watches it right. goes so, to 4. Literally. Well, that's a lot of times to see that movie. Um, a lot of dusting. There's a lot of crying, <laughs> a lot of emotions. Um, I would like to ask him, is like, do you still feel the same on the 48th time? Yeah, what's different do? on what number What is different? And what what you did know? you notice? What Easter right. eggs did we miss in and our fourth view? Where did you get that T-shirt? He's got all of different. I looked into this guy. Almost all of his T-shirts are different, so it means he has 47-plus different Marvel shirts. Nice. He's a hip-hop artist. Pretty good stuff. And he, uh, like, IMAX reached out and offered him 50 IMAX tickets. So he's not only getting to go to the premiere, but he's getting 50 tickets to go see Avengers 3. That's so cool. 50 more times. And... And, like, tons of people from Marvel have reached out to him. This guy's story is great. And my favorite thing about him is he's proving he's seeing it by keeping each ticket in a sleeve. So he has sleeves of each and every ticket. What a and nerd. he writes a, a little vlog before and after now. And he's all about, like, positivity. And the reason he's there is because he wants, like, the right. world to come together. What, so is, what is this guy's name? Anybody? Sweaty. Roka? What's his name? What, what is this guy's name? Uh, the guy who saw the Marvel uh, Infinity War film 43 times. <laughs> Can you look it up for me while we? Yeah, we're gonna get his he's name. Great, man. I don't want to just call him that dude because he's such a nerd. I'm like, <laughs> give, give him a little props. Hey, you know, speaking of, you can listen to our show and us talk about this guy that we don't know his name yet on uh, on, on podcasts. You might even be listening to this right now while driving in your car. Don't look up this guy's name while driving. <laughs> we got you. We'll, Tony Nem Mitchell. Tony Nem Mitchell. Tony Nem Mitchell. Now it's forty five. Forty five times. I think feel like it's going to increase as we move along. So, th- Tony. <laughs> He's in the theater right yeah. now. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Is it really 48? As of this Exponentially <laughs> living in a movie theater, Mitchell. All right. So subscribe to our channel, uh, the Collider Heroes podcast. You can listen to it. You can get it on iTunes, Podcast One, all, the, all those little podcast friends that you can click on and just listen to it while you're in your car, your space shuttle, wherever you're going. Let's get into the comic book pull list. So we got some comic books. Let's get right into it by talking about The Wicked and the Divine. If you're not reading it, it's 37. Don't be afraid of the numbers. Karen Gellin, James McElvey, check it out. Just buy that issue and check it out. And then if you like it, there's two volumes of Collected Flavor that you can get to catch up really quickly on it. Uh, number four, we've got Plastic Man, number one. Now, Plastic <laughs> Man is like a weird character in general. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, my personal take, my, one of my favorites, outside of the early 50s where he's just, like, re- literally a criminal fighting criminals, um, was the Dark Knight 2. That was the only part of the Dark Knight that I really kind of dug. The Dark Knight 2 is what I'm talking about, the second one, which mm-hmm. is hit and miss throughout. And then Strikes kind of, again? 
Yeah, I don't even like saying the title. So okay. it's like, um, but no, I'm just saying. <laughs> but I, I, I like the take on Plastic Man. It really showed you, wow, if the most dangerous, creepy character on the planet Earth is Plastic Man because he could turn into anything. You don't want him to go nuts, and he's nuts. So anyway, <laughs> Gail Simone is an incredible writer. Adriano Mello is drawing it. So that to me, just hearing that Gail Simone is writing it was like instantly like, all right. Because she's written some really cool stuff. So, I mean, she's a great and writer. she's a weirdo. She is a weirdo. I love her that's so That's what much. I mean. A lot of people don't say she's weird. So, that's good. Uh, number three, you've got the magic order. Talking about our man, Mark Miller. Olivier Copiel is an incredible mm. oh, artist. Yeah. So, this is the very first Netflix comic. So, this is like Netflix is like putting out comics now to prep us for whatever their action series, animated series, whatever this is possibly going to become in a year or two on Netflix. Now they're rocking the comic book. So, and I looked through it and I was like, well, this looks really cool. And Mark Miller, when he's doing stuff like this, a Jupiter's legacy is a standout. If you haven't checked that out, this kind of gave me a little bit of that back and forth feel to it. So number two, of course, we've got Mr. Miracle number nine, Tom King, Mitch Gerard's killing it with Mr. Miracle. Uh, if you want to catch up and get into the new gods movie that's coming out, Check out Mr. Miracle. It vaguely references. I mean, it's it's he. You know, Scott Free is a new god, so just buy it. It's a good comic. <laughs> Finally, Thor number one. Jason Aaron and Michael Del Mundo. I'm not familiar with Michael Del Mundo's art, but oh, you're gonna love it. It's okay. psychedelic and. and- uh, but Jason Aaron is just was doing such an incredible run. I was late to the game, late to the party with Thor. <laughs> Amy was like, I can't believe you're not reading. I was like, I don't, don't feel like reading it for years. <laughs> she was like, Yeah. Amy was always like, Wait, well, really? Would might want to pick up that Thor? I was like, Whatever. We'll see. And then finally... Had a hundred issues to read. Yeah, no, literally, I was like, oh my God, it's so good. (laughs) Who's this fool, Jason Aaron? I shall kill him. Then reading some of his Star Wars. The guy's a good writer. He's a good writer. So want to give that the the flavor. What are those five do you think are... Are are you going to pick those up? And do you have any ones that you want to mention, Amy? Oh, it's a rock-solid list. Uh, So obviously, Magic Order is very exciting, seeing what's next and what's new for that universe. Uh, And Mark Miller gets the the most incredible artists to work with. Uh, And uh, like Wicked and Divine, I'm going to say definitely buy it, but start at the beginning. Um, Mm -hmm. Just... Uh, it's too wonderful and compelling a story. Um, flip through it, get hooked, and then go b- go back to the top. Um, Thor number one, obviously. Uh, this, this is just, it's such a good time in comics right now. This is, it's great stuff. Definitely. How about you? About a month ago, we were like, what a great time in comics. And then it escalated, like, recently, the last three weeks. It's been, been crazy. Crazier. It's yeah. crazy. Like, both DC and Marvel having new number ones for new readers. I, uh, you know how I feel about numbers. Yeah. But it's cool. But also, the quality of the books is enticing to new readers. Like, Mr. Miracle number nine, that's only nine issues in. You can get back on it. Like, Tom King is such a good writer. And I love, I'm going to miss Jane Foster, but I'm really curious where this goes with Thor, because oh, yeah. that last run was so good. So, I all, all five of these, I didn't realize uh, Olivier Copiel was, was on that one. Oh, I, check it. Just look at like one page. If you know, you know I the love, artist. Yeah. It's phenomenal. I so that. that's that kind of thing. I wanted to do honorable mentions. You got Hawkman number one. Brian Hitch is drawing it. I what? mean, come on. Yeah, that's what I mean. <laughs> this is the kind of thing where it's like Marvel, DC, Image. Stop making me broke. You guys are <laughs> killing me. I mean, so I mean, but in a good way. I feel like it's so amazing to see this list. Every time I'm like, I can't believe all these comics are are oh, happening. And and uh, the one I forgot, uh, Plastic Man, I am crazy excited for yes, because no. it is one of those, this book only exists because somebody got excited and that person was Gail Simone mm-hmm. and went, let me do a book about this character no one is paying attention to. And you know, like, those are the most exciting ones. There's no like, oh, we need to put a comic out to tie in with whatever. There's right. just somebody being like, let me, let me, let me pitch you this. 
So mine's on the opposite side. Last week's Deadpool number one, uh, Scotty Young is writing a Deadpool movie chronology. Like Deadpool, it's like <laughs> a movie tinted Deadpool, and it's Scotty Young, who we know as an artist, sure. writing the hell out of Deadpool. It's an artist I didn't know on the book. It is beautiful. It's cinematic, and it reads like Ryan Reynolds' Deadpool. It's so much fun. Check it out. Uh, definitely go back and yeah. Last it's week last was his week. own own list. Ooh, Jim we Trump also this Justice week League. we got Monster Seventeen, Wonder Woman Forty Eight, Oblivion Song Four. Analog number three, Marvel two and one annual, and Man of Steel three. Um, I just got on the Oblivion song train, nice. bought number one while I was at the Ohio Con, and I loved it. So I was like, you know, hell yeah. So wanted to mention a lot of us are going to be at the Las Vegas Amazing Comic Con, uh, June 29th to July 1st. Let's slap that graphic up if you haven't seen it yet. Um, along with a lot of the Collider crew, we're kind of doing a little mini Collider takeover, taking over that convention center. We're running those roulette tables. You know what I'm talking about. So we're going to have a lot of fun. There's going to be a Heroes Live panel there. There's going to be a movie talk panel. We're going to have a lot of different panels for all three days of the convention. And we'll also have our own booth. So get your tickets now for Amazing Las, uh, Amazing Las Vegas Comic Con, uh, June 29th to July 1st. We'll be there. I'll be there all three days. We're going to try to get a lot of people to come up and be on the panels with us. And then we'll do meet and greets after the panel at our booth. So please come and check it out. It'll be fun. It's Vegas, and it's a Comic-Con. What more do you need to go come <laughs> hang out with us? So I can't even say, well, you know, let's get one Twitter question, and we've run out of time. But um, let's go with, uh, let's, you know what? Let's get these three really quick. We could do it, Roka. All right, number <laughs> French Stud asks, do you, think, do you think that when the snap happened in Infinity Wars that the Hulk disappeared and just Banner remains? It would be a nice angle, no? Kind of like the Grey Hulk series back in the day. Just thought. So he's conjecturing, like, is the Hulk a completely separate entity? And with that snap, did the Hulk disappear? Interesting, strange, I don't think so. But it's pretty interesting when you see the, those concept art pictures and you see it's like it looks like a slightly more intelligent Hulk wearing a, an outfit. Mm-hmm. I was like, what the hell's going on? What do you think? I think unlikely but interesting. I'll go with. Okay. Uh-huh. Uh, unlikely, but I do like the idea of the intelligence being affected. I think, yeah, unlikely, but interesting. I All agree. Right. Question <laughs> number trying. two. I agree. <laughs> CGM Show asks, how do you get into writing comic books? <gasps> now, that's a good question. I mean, literally, I'll say this. How you get into writing comic books is you write comic books. It sounds like he's joking, but that he's not I'm joking. I'm not joking at all. In fact, if you go to any of these conventions, uh, like go to Las Vegas Comic Con, you will see independent artists. There's a thing called Artist Alley, where people are not just drawing characters and selling prints. They're also making their own comic books. And why are they making their own comic books? Because they love comics, and they want to write, and they want to draw comic books. And some of them aren't for you, and some of them could be for you. You have to go check them out. And some of those artists and some of those writers eventually become writers of DC comic books and Marvel comic books and well-known writers and artists. So that's my answer. What do you think? Uh, it's basically the same. There, there's a lot of paths to publishing, but the key is to make some work that you can share with people. Uh, it can be tough to find an artist, but if you are a writer and not an artist, find someone to collaborate with. Other people are also trying to come up, go to local conventions, go to online areas, um, find that partner and get something, eight pages of something that you can hand to people or put online and show people that you can write. That's how you got to do it. My first eight pages were published at Boom Studios. Bam. Uh, I think any creative endeavor, just start. Uh, do anything you love to do, with making movies, making comics, making host whatever you want to do just start doing it and then be passionate about it and that passion will be contagious and the more you share what you love the more that love will show and it'll always bounce back like just start doing it and other people that like stuff will share with you and you're watching this on the internet which means you have the most powerful tool in the world the internet is how things get found so if you don't start it can't get found so start definitely good answers 
Our Ibis, I want to say your name right, Ibis Ukador. Or is it Ibis Ukudor? Or is it completely some other way? I don't know how to say your name. But Roka will answer this question. Do you think that Strange could go to the horrorverse with a nightmare villain? He's talking about Doctor Strange. I mean, after Thanos' big fancy play, there's kind of chaos in the universe. Dormammu is out of the bargaining chips. Maybe Nightmare is like Joker, a very crazy, magical trickster. Now, all of us want to say, I personally, I'll speak for all of us. We all want to see Nightmare. I want to see, (laughs) I'll speak for me. I want to see Nightmare. He might have got dusted. He might just be like, you know, we don't know. Sorry, Ibis, Ibis, Ibs. Maybe Nightmare got dusted. Maybe Dormammu got dusted. Maybe there's two Dormammus. I am more Mammu. I'm more than Dormammu. I'm his weird brother. I don't have any problems. with. I don't want to take over anything. I'm just my own little pocket universe. Who knows? I have no ideas or answers about the dusting, but I do want to see Nightmare, and I think uh, so does Scott Derrickson. I know he's a big fan, especially of those early Steve Ditko Doctor Strange's and mm-hmm. Nightmare was a big part of it. I think he was the very first appearance. He I was think like, so, yeah. those guys like, I can't seem to sleep. There's a nightmare, and it's a literally a, a weird dude with like looked almost like Sandman. He's like, I'm I'm the, I'm the I'm, I'm from the Cure, you know. <laughs> I'm riding a horse. He was a nightmarish figure. What do you think? Now with Mysterio, uh, if that's happening for the next Spider-Man, I don't know about Nightmare for Strange. There is some crossover in terms of psychedelic visions and things. But if they're going with, like, a techie or mysterious... Like, there's there's ways they can go with this. Right. I think Nightmare would be great. Uh, if that's not the direction, I hope they save him for film three or four, if there is such a thing. I think... I mean, I agree with you. There's a crossover, but there's a definitive difference. Mysterio is special effects mm. and trickery, and Nightmare is pure nightmare fuel. I think now that we've established the origin of Doctor Strange, we can do Mephisto, we can do Nightmare, we can do some of the bolder villains, and I know Scott uh, Derrickson has been gearing up for that, so I think now that we've gotten this out of the way, we've had the origin with the villain and the hero being similar, now go crazy, Nightmare's a great choice. Definitely. Well, that's it for Heroes. You've been watching 250... Are we at 253? Is that where we're at? We're, no, 252. Right? Or am I wrong? Yeah, 252. I was like, how, how many numbers are there? 252. That's an important Spidey, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I can't even keep it together. 252, so. first black uh, Spider-Man suit. Yep. There we go. There we go. Beautiful issue. Yep. Ron Friends. <laughs> Here we are. Drawing that title. We survived to the new comic. That's right. All right, so, Coy, Amy, me, see you later. Bye. It's that little chico pit bull, Mr. 305, but it said Mr. Worldwide, and you already know what it is. Listen to my new podcast from Negative to Positive. Subscribe today. Now, part of the things that we're doing over here at Negative to Positive is encouraging people to change their lives, change the things that are within their power. I want to thank our good friends at KFC for helping me bring this to you. Feed your whole crew with KFC. Let's go. I can get the KFC bucket of chicken, and you know, that's fire. Now, Babu, you know that you can get that mac and cheese, that mashed potato, gravy, those biscuits. Now, that's that's trouble right there. That is fire right there. You know, on negative to positive, we're always talking about striving and achievement. And, and the Colonel Sanders story is, is a story that inspired me since I was 10 years old. Look how life comes full circle. Now I'm talking about Colonel Sanders and Kentucky Fried Chicken and how much I love it. <laughs> Listen to my new podcast from negative to positive. Check out the vodcast. Subscribe today. Apple Podcast. Podcast One. Spotify. Does anybody want breakfast? Guys, let's go. I'm leaving for McDonald's in five seconds. Why do you start with that? The Breakfast Stampede Meal. It's only at McDonald's, where there's a meal for every morning. And nothing says morning like a classic sausage McMuffin with egg. Right now, get this all-time favorite for just two bucks on the one, two, three dollar menu. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.